This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Discussed on this Thursday, January 19th. We want to welcome you to Fox Souls Black Report. I am Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Cortez. We are honored to stand behind this desk <laughs> each day to, to take you on a journey across Black America and the stories that impact our people. Yeah, we are dedicated to bringing you our news, our voice, and our views as well. We're gonna get into today's uh, top headline, an awful story out of Pontiac, Michigan. That's just outside of Detroit. A mom and her two young children are dead. Investigators say they froze to death. Their bodies were found this week after taking refuge in an overgrown field. Police identify the victims as 35-year-old Monica Kennedy, uh, nine-year-old Kyle Milton, and three-year-old Malik Milton. Officers say a 10-year-old girl uh, named Lily survived. Authorities learned about the deaths when the girl knocked on a door and said her family was dead in a field. She is now hospitalized with hypothermia. Uh, Kennedy had an apartment but was suffering a mental health crisis that led to her to seek shelter outside. Now, according to police, she thought people were out to get her. Uh, family members said she started acting differently about three weeks ago. They tried to help, but Kennedy uh, fled with those children. There's new details emerging in the case of a missing Texas woman who police believe went missing after learning that the man she was seeing was married. Fox 4 in Dallas has the story. Tuesday, investigators were spotted searching a field across from missing 33-year-old Kayla Kelly's McKinney home. The pair went on to comb through a creek nearby and then a densely wooded private road. It's not confirmed the investigators were out looking for Kelly, but it's still a mystery where she may be. An arrest affidavit obtained by Fox 4 on Tuesday reveals an illicit affair between Kelly and O'Coster Ferguson right before she disappeared. According to investigators, Kelly only recently found out Ferguson was married and he never even told her his real name. January 11th, Kelly's friends and co-workers reported her missing to the Collin County Sheriff's Office after not hearing from her for several days. The next day, January 12th, Frisco police located Kelly's vehicle on a deserted county road in Frisco. According to investigators, the car had been burned beyond recognition and the incident was not consistent with a natural fire. Deputies then went to Kelly's McKinney duplex for a welfare check. Kelly was not home, but her dog was, and it didn't have any food or water. Detectives then went through Kelly's phone records, pointing them to conversations with Acostor Ferguson, who went by the name Kevin Brown. They later found his Lexus parked near Kelly's home, and according to court records, a search warrant was conducted on the vehicle and gloves, duct tape, and a blanket were inside. On January 13th, investigators showed up to Ferguson's workplace and they spoke to him. According to investigators, Ferguson admitted to knowing Kelly and the last time he saw her was Tuesday, January 10th, when she dropped him off for work around noon. That statement matched evidence collected from cell phone records. Ferguson claimed his car was at Kelly's house because he was hiding it from his wife and he allowed deputies to look through his phone. There, they saw text conversations where she threatened to tell his wife about the affair. Investigators say he also admitted he lied to Kelly about his name since they started dating last summer to keep from getting caught. Ferguson's wife was interviewed and she told detectives she got a text message from an unknown number advising they needed to tell her something. She said she never responded and when detectives asked to see her phone, it was broken. Monday, we visited the Grand Prairie home shared by Ferguson and his wife, but there was no answer. 
Eventually, investigators collected evidence placing Ferguson in the general area where Kelly's burned car was found, but he denied being in that area and wouldn't tell them where Kelly was. He was placed in custody, charged with kidnapping. His bond is a million dollars. Since the initial investigation began, police have discovered a woman's body in Grand Prairie, Texas. The remains will be taken to the medical examiner's office for identification and cause of death. And to Ohio now, where two police officers are under investigation after a witness filmed a cop viciously punch a black woman in the face while making an arrest. Now, in the clip, two officers uh, can be seen standing in front of their cruiser in a parking lot while moving to restrain the woman identified by her attorneys as Latinka Hancock. At one point, Hancock appears to wave her hands around and uh, Officer Todd Stanley, seen on the right, punches her in the face multiple times until Hancock falls on the hood of the cruiser. The officers then hold Hancock against the car as Officer Tim Zellers handcuffs her. The officers have been placed on paid administrative leave while the department conducts an investigation. A federal jury in Virginia found in favor of two police officers who were sued by a U.S. Army lieutenant after he was pepper sprayed, struck and handcuffed during a traffic stop. Lieutenant Karen Nazario sued the two officers for $1 million after he was pepper sprayed, struck and handcuffed in 2020. The jury in federal court in Richmond found that former Windsor police officer Joe Gutierrez liable for assault and awarded Nazario, get this, $2,685 in compensatory damages. According to attorneys on both sides of the case, the jury also awarded Nazario $1,000 in punitive damages. One of those officers is still on the force, but Gutierrez was fired in April 2021. The same month, Nazario filed his lawsuit. Uh, you know, for mm -hmm. folks to sue for uh, $1.5 million and only be awarded less than $4,000. A lot of people yeah. would say that's probably a slap in the face. I mean, when you take a look at the video, I mean, it's obvious, um, you know, that there was excessive force and, um, you know, the fact that he was military, he had identified himself, was not at least honored and or considered. So I'm just wondering what, what the jury and or judge found not to be um, enough to compensate this man uh, for the the trouble, the the mental anguish, the the physical anguish, the embarrassment. I'm, I'm wondering what was what was uh, provided in court where a jury and or judge would would think that twenty six hundred, twenty four, twenty six hundred dollars uh, would be enough to make good on this on this incident. I'm I'm just really puzzled and confused about that because when you look at that video. Uh, clearly, uh, those officers just disregarded what the lieutenant was trying to convey to them. And what awful treatment towards uh, a a military That's officer right. in uniform, mm -hmm. in uniform. And, and, you know, to make matters even worse, just going back to the Ohio story, the story of the, the uh, officer punching yes. a woman in the face. Mm -hmm. In what municipality is punching someone in the face okay. a part of the training. Mm -hmm. You know, so often when it comes to issues related to law enforcement's overuse of force, a lot of people say, well, we need to do better training. We need better training. So where exactly in the training does that include punching folks in the face as an, as an act to subdue them? We'll have to, uh, you know, stay close to this story because I'm sure that young lady is going to definitely follow up legally um, in hopes uh, of getting justice for what she had to go through. Just horrible, horrible uh, video there. All right, we're gonna move along here. The debt limit has been reached, but many say it's also an artificially imposed cap that lawmakers have increased roughly 80 times since the 1960s. The government can temporarily rely on accounting tweaks known as extraordinary measures to stay open. So any threats to the economy are several months away, but this time there are broad differences between President Biden and new House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Republicans want some spending concessions while the president is insisting on a clean increase. It's not going to negotiate uh, about that because again, it was done under the last president. Uh, it was done uh, three times, again, in a bipartisan, bipartisan way. If they want to play a game of chicken, we'll play a game of chicken. But we're going to do what's necessary to right this ship for the American people. 
A prolonged default could be devastating with crashing markets and panic driven layoffs. All right, soulmates, it's a new year, which means new scams. It's called the Frankenstein fraud. The Federal Reserve Bank's website illustrates how fraudsters pick a fictitious name with a stolen social security number and a made up date of birth, adding in new contact information. In the end, you have Frankenstein, newly created identity. The bad guys try to make them seem more real by using this identity to apply for a phone number, a credit card, and more. Now this synthetic person has a credit history. And it gets deeper. Sometimes the fraudster gets a bunch of these Frankensteins, creates a shell company, then reports these fake identities to credit reporting agencies so that they can get good credit and steal money down the road. All right, shifting gears here to uh, some weather. The first time in nearly two years, a portion of California has been declared to be out of the drought. New drought maps were released by the U.S. Drought Monitor. In the top left corner of the state, there is a white square covering less than 1% of the state that's been declared to be completely out of the drought. Uh, you can compare the difference over just the last two weeks there on that map. Now, another improvement, there are no areas of the state in extreme or exceptional drought that were marked in red or uh, dark red. For the first time in history, the state of Maryland has its very first black mm -hmm. governor. Wes Moore took the oath of office yesterday. The inauguration ceremony had some star power with Oprah Winfrey among those in attendance. Governor Moore began the day walking from the Annapolis city dock where enslaved people once arrived in America. The governor pledged to address inequities in education and to work with businesses to grow Maryland's economy. That was a major to-do yeah. yesterday. Uh, you know, Oprah Winfrey was among a lot of folks mm -hmm. uh, that attended that inauguration. A number of friends of ours mm -hmm. uh, also attended uh, that inauguration. And it, it shouldn't be lost on our viewers that, you know, uh, there have not been very many black governors in the history of the United States. He's one of less than a handful of black folks that have ever been governor of any state mm -hmm. uh, before. This is his first elected office ever. Uh, and a lot of people are saying that uh, the sky's the limit in terms of uh, where Westmore uh, might go from here. Yeah, young guy, beautiful family, uh, just a, a wonderful celebration on, on the steps there at the Capitol. Um, the weather held up. Uh, the family looked great. As a matter of fact, that walk uh, to, to, to the Capitol looked very reminiscent of Obama and a young, young family uh, from, 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 from years ago. Uh, it was exciting to see who knew uh, the relationship, the very deep relationship uh, he and Oprah had. She's always in the mix of, of, of bringing us uh, something new and fresh and different like she did uh, with Obama. And then they got down a little bit later and went somewhere and partied uh, with having a lot of friends uh, who are friends of friends. I, I saw a lot of clips across social media. I want to say Drew Hill was there. I know I saw Cisco and they partied, uh, rightfully so. Uh, a nice balance between the formality of, of what this means and just really celebrating um, everything that it means. So it was good to see that yesterday. Yeah, it was and also, good to see that. And also good to see a veteran, a military veteran, oh, yeah. uh, now becoming governor mm -hmm. uh, of, of a state. And so uh, we'll uh, continue to keep our eye on the work that is afoot in, in Maryland. We know that Westmore is trying to get the FBI to move their headquarters yeah, that would be a uh, to Maryland great, as a great, boon to the economy there. And so we'll keep watching. All right. So from Maryland to Florida, where the Department of Education has denied the approval of an advanced placement African-American studies course proposed by the College Board. On the College Board's website, a description of the course said it planned to introduce high school students to African-American studies and include teachings on literature, geography, and other fields. Now, according to a timeline on the College Board website, the pilot of the African-American Studies AP course launched this academic year in 60 schools across the U.S. In their letter to the College Board, the Florida Department of Education said, this is a quote, as presented, the content of this course is inexplicably uh, contrary to Florida law and significantly lacks educational value, end quote. A school district in Oregon has quietly rescinded its ban on educators displaying symbols of the Black Lives Matter movement or gay pride following a court settlement with a teachers union. 
In 2021, the board banned school staff from displaying Black Lives Matter and gay pride symbols, then expanded the ban to all political or controversial signs after being advised the first rule wouldn't survive a legal challenge. The Newburgh School Board voted unanimously on January 10th to rescind the controversial policy a month after the Newburgh Education Association announced it had settled its federal civil rights lawsuit over the matter. Elementary school students in Florida were sent home with permission slips to learn the lyrics to James Weldon Johnson's Lift Every Voice and Sing, and it didn't go over so well with some parents. A Marion County Schools spokesperson said students in grades three to five would be participating in learning the song to recite in a performance for Black History Month. The activity was labeled as an extracurricular activity, allowing students to participate in presenting historical facts regarding African-Americans and or singing the Black National Anthem. Now, according to uh, the school board uh, member, Eric Cummings, the lyrics, we have come treading our path through the slaughtered, may have left some parents with unease. However, the school says the permission slip was meant to honor the wish of those against critical race theory, allowing them to have a say in what their kids learn. So we can learn the Star Spangled Banner. We can learn, you know, the, the, I went to a parochial school, so the Lord's Prayer, I can't tell you how many times we had to recite the, the rosary in regards to their policies and, and, and what they've laid out for us to, to learn and understand, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, so why such a problem when they are clearly stating that this is for Black History Month, you, you can choose to have your child not participate, but this is what we're gonna do, and this is what we wanna make you aware of. Here's the permission slip. I just don't understand why it's always such a problem when it has to do with color. Yeah, and, 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 and this is why what's happening in Florida is really happening, it really poses a serious threat across the nation. Mm -hmm. uh, when we hear about you know these anti-black history uh, pieces of legislation sweeping the country, when we hear about these book bans sweeping the country, the, you know, don't say gay bills sweeping mm -hmm. the country, mm -hmm. you know, we're really robbing our kids from being able to learn their history, you know, and you know, the black national anthem is a point of pride. That's right. You know, it's a point of pride. You know, it's 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 just as American as anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, and so the fact that you know kids in Florida are being sent home with permission slips mm -hmm. to learn the Black National Anthem. I mean, I don't remember ever receiving a permission slip to learn the national anthem or to learn about you know uh, you know George Washington and how he owned slaves. To learn about Sally Hemings and her relationship uh, to Thomas Jefferson. And mm -hmm. so the fact of the matter is. There's a lot of history out there that may make people, you know, feel uncomfortable, you know, but truth telling makes people feel uncomfortable. And that's a part of what this movement uh, 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 pushing back against uh, these efforts to eliminate black history is part of what the movement is about. Well, you first have to accept that our history is history, is America's history. I mean, you, you, you actually created our history here in America and you got to accept that our history is is America's history, point blank. All right, coming up, Bank of America is in hot water this week. Why millions of customers say they're losing trust in the bank. You're watching Fox Souls Black Report. We'll be right back. soulmates some bank of america members are in a mm. frenzy due to allegedly missing funds in their accounts due to an alleged outage impacting the systems of bank of america and zelle Ooh, customers have taken a social have taken to social media to share their disbelief when they check their bank accounts uh, right around january 18th as 700 outages have already been reported 90 percent of individuals have documented discrepancies with transferring funds via zelle and eight percent of users are citing issues with accessing uh, accessing their zelle account Microsoft is the latest tech company to announce a round of layoffs to the tune of 10 
8,000 workers. The Microsoft CEO says that the company is, quote, seeing organizations in every industry and geography exercise caution as some parts of the world are in a recession and other parts are anticipating one. The cuts represent a little less than 5% of Microsoft's global workforce of 221,000 employees. The company began notifying affected workers this week and plans to complete the layoffs by quarter three. According to the note, uh, it was not clear which divisions would see cuts. And R&B fans thought they'd be enjoying a music festival in the Dominican Republic this week, but instead, Soul Fest 2023 in Punta Cana was abruptly canceled. Now, according to the event website, festival headliners included New Edition, Jodeci, Luda, Ashanti, Anthony Hamilton. The Hard Rock uh, Hotel in Punta Cana, uh, where the event was to be held, posted a notice on its website. Uh, that the event was canceled due to non-payment by organizers. Now, the festival promoter said the hotel decided to change the terms of the agreement at the last minute, leaving no room to react or comply. Before booking a destination festival, uh, soulmates, you, you might want to check out the promoter with the Better Business Bureau and the United States Tourism Operators Association. And speaking of cancellations, Amazon is ending its charity donation program. When customers make purchases through Amazon Smile, the company donates a percentage of purchases to the shopper's chosen nonprofit organization. Amazon has donated $500 million to charity since the program started in 2013. Now, executives say the program will be shut down by February 20th as a part of the company's cost-cutting efforts. Uh, we, uh, a lot of cost-cutting. We, we hate to see it. I mean, you know, to, for something called Amazon Smile, I mean, they might as well call it Amazon Frown. At you this know? point. I mean, yeah, this is, uh, this is not good. That was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, customers elected, you know, which nonprofit this would go to and, and Amazon put a little bit on it. Uh, you know, Amazon can afford to mm -hmm. put a little bit on it. Yeah, you know, they ain't and, hurting. You know, and I don't. And, and you, you think about these these recent layoffs with with an Amazon, with a Microsoft, uh, with a lot of the big financial companies, and you're thinking these are supposed to be the the, the, the big guys, uh, the ones who who do turn a profit, the ones who are solid, and it just appears as though they're preparing for whatever is coming economically. I know we, we're kind of hearing one thing on one side, one thing on the other. But when you pay attention uh, to the tendencies of these corporations, it kind of gives you a hint of what they are projecting uh, is to come. My brother is a top level uh, executive at Microsoft and that number is closer to 11,000 than 10. I texted him yesterday just to check in. He said it was a real uh, tough day. So this is this is this is real life. It's, it's trickling down to our everyday lives. And even a little bit later on in the show, we'll get to some stories where it is affecting uh, just how we grocery shop yeah. and being able to um, uh, afford the basics. So this is this is a real deal and, and it is really something to um, really, really continue to pay attention to because it, it is affecting everybody in their pockets. And I also wonder to what degree are we talking ourselves into a recession? Mm -hmm. You know, um, mm -hmm. by a lot of leading economic indicators, we are not uh, in a recession, but I think just moves like this and yeah. more talk about uh, anticipating, mm -hmm. you know, recession. I wonder how much of that, you know, is influencing consumer behavior, mm -hmm. consumer attitudes, uh, you know, and, you know, making it easier for companies to, you know, make the decision to, to implement uh, you know these these mass layoffs, and so yeah. uh, we'll, you know we'll continue we to. Will. And then you got glitches like Bank of America. I just sent. I just sent. You know we take care of our home here at my parents' home in Detroit. We kept it after they passed on, and so we send money via Zelle to pay bills. And I had to call and say, "Did you get this money?" Yeah. Uh, so come on, you know these glitches. You know people, money's tight. Don't mess with these folks' money. Let's get it right. That's right. All right, we're going to move on now. You, speaking of prices, used cars are starting to drop according to the Consumer Price Index. Prices fell by 8.8% from December 2021 to December 2022. That is the biggest 12-month drop since June 2009. The main factor is due to the rising uh, expense of financing a car because of the rising interest rates. Used car costs drop. Uh, used car costs could continue to decline with more new use with more new cars hitting the market. That's it. Prescription type two diabetes drug Ozempic is now being promoted as a weight loss miracle drug. 
However, the weight loss drug is sold under the name Wegovy and is meant to help those struggling with obesity. Still, Ozempic's manufacturer worries people are taking advantage and says it does not promote people to use it lightly. Pharmacists say there's a dark side to off-label use. All right, uh, here's a story on these prices. So much you might want to go easy on the butter until further notice. Margarine is up 44% and butter shot up 31.5% in the past year. Dairy farmers reduced their herds during the pandemic, which dropped the amount of milk to make the butter. Margarine producers blame the Russian invasion of Ukraine for disrupting production of made in, made in Ingredients, which are vegetable oils from sunflowers or soybeans. Egg prices have jumped more than 18% in just the last month. That's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Now today, the national average cost of around $4.25 for a dozen large grade eggs. That's tripled since 2019. And Courtney, in recent days, we've talked about the soaring cost of eggs and butter, and there's another breakfast staple that's more expensive as well. The cost of fresh squeezed orange juice hit an all-time high of $10 a gallon mm. and $6.27 for a gallon of reconstituted orange juice. Orange growers in Florida are struggling after hurricane damage uprooted trees. Now the Agriculture Department predicts that the state's orange output to be nearly half of last year's total. California is expected to produce more oranges than Florida for the first time since, get this, World War II. It is on and popping just to have a decent little breakfast, huh? Right. Butter. You know, breakfast used to be Eggs. one of the cheapest meals of the day. I and know. now, you know, it done caught up to lunch. <laughs> Dinner. <laughs> I mean, really, it's we, we just talked about it. It's a hint and a half that, you know, we're headed towards something or we're already there, even though we get a lot of mixed signals. Uh, from the folks who would who would call it or not call it a recession. But again, as your everyday consumer, as someone, you know, who hits the supermarket a couple of times a week, you feel the difference. And, you know, whether you're going to get it from our leaders, our legislators or not, you feel the difference and and you, you know, start to, uh, you know, save and, and you start to, to, you know, find different uh, avenues and and maybe even couponing to really uh, stay ahead and to stay afloat. I, I saw a mom uh, with her son uh, and they were in the dairy section mm -hmm. and she'd like to get, I guess, because he's such a big eater that the sons that the 18 uh, count of eggs. Yeah. I'm gonna have to start charging y'all for breakfast. I don't know <laughs> if they were home for the holidays or what, but I feel her pain. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I do. And, and speaking of feeling the pain, I feel the, the pain of the workers mm -hmm. uh, in Florida. You know, uh, my maternal grandmother, Addie Mae Thomas, mm -hmm. worked on the assembly line at Tropicana Orange Juice uh, for a number of years. And so I'm thinking a lot about uh, the workers, you know, at mm -hmm. companies like Tropicana in Florida, uh, you know, whose work has been interrupted, not just by uh, the severe storms, you know, but, uh, you know, by, now by by orange trees being uprooted, you know, and quite frankly, not having enough oranges mm -hmm. uh, to process. And so let's keep everybody in our thoughts and prayers uh, as we navigate these choppy waters. It can be so overwhelming because there's so as far as how what trickles out, it, there's so many people to think about and consider yeah. in this chain. It just gets a little overwhelming, mm -hmm. but we just have to stay vigilant and continue to do our best to stay afloat, whether they give us the information or not. Mm -hmm. Still ahead of five Father and son in business together to make their city shine. That's right. We'll introduce you to these two men and show you how they're making a difference. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. We'll be right back. So, Mace, we appreciate you so much for watching. So much so, just in case you're joining us, we're going to run back the stories from the top of the show. There's uh, new details emerging in the case of a missing Texas woman. Kayla Keeley's friends reported her missing after not hearing from her for a few days. Kelly had just recently learned the man she'd been dating was married and was going by an alias. Uh, her car was found burned in Frisco and his car was found parked near her McKinney home with gloves, duct tape and a blanket. He's been charged with kidnapping and is being held on a one million dollar bond. Investigators overnight have found a woman's body and are working to ID her and find the cause of death. 
Two Ohio police officers are under investigation after a witness filmed a cop viciously punch a black woman in the face while making an arrest. Two police officers can be seen standing in front of their cruiser in a parking lot while moving to restrain Latinka Hancock. At one point, Hancock appears to wave her hands around and Officer Todd Stanley, seen on the right, punches her in the face multiple times until Hancock falls on the back of the hood uh, of the uh, cruiser. The officers then hold Hancock against the car and arrest her. The officers have been placed on paid administration leave while the department conducts an investigation. A federal jury in Virginia found in favor of two police officers who were sued by a U.S. Army lieutenant after he was pepper sprayed. You may remember this story. He was also struck and handcuffed during a traffic stop. Lieutenant Karan Nazario sued the two officers for $1 million after he was pepper sprayed, struck and handcuffed back in 2020. The jury in federal court in Richmond found former Windsor police officer Joe Gutierrez, Gutierrez liable for assault, but only awarded Nazario just under $3,000 in compensatory uh, damages. Now, according to attorneys on both sides of the case, the jury also awarded uh, Nazario about $1,000 in punitive damages. And lastly here, elementary school students in Florida were sent home with a permission slip to learn the lyrics to James Weldon Johnson's Lift Every Voice and Sing. And it didn't go over so well with some of those parents. A Marion County school spokesperson said students in grades three through five would be participating in learning the song to recite in a performance for Black History Month. But lyrics mentioning the slaughter of slaves made some parents uneasy. The school says the permission slip was meant to honor the wish of those against critical race theory by allowing them to have a say in what their kids learn. Nick Cordelai, back to you. Thank you, Courtney. Now off to North Carolina, where they're mourning the death of its first black legislator. The Associated Press is reporting that Annie Brown Kennedy, an attorney who was the first black woman to serve in the North Carolina General Assembly, has died at the age of 98. According to a written biography, Kennedy, an Atlanta native, graduated from Spelman College and the Howard University Law School. Kennedy first joined the House in 1979 to fill a vacancy. Her son said that she worked for passage of paid family leave and successfully prevented the Winston-Salem State University nursing program from being shuttered by other lawmakers. Massachusetts this week swore in Andrea Campbell, its first black woman attorney general at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center. She was surrounded by family and supporters as she did during her campaign. Campbell did not shy away from her life story, including her father being sent to prison for eight years and her twin brother, Andre Campbell, dying in police custody. A second brother is in custody facing rape charges. Campbell said one of her first actions will be to form an elderly justice unit to protect older residents against unequal access to health care, deceptive business practices and fraud. Vice President Kamala Harris continues to build conversation around black men's issues. Earlier this week, the VP met with 13 young leaders from the NAACP to discuss top of mind issues for black men, including, but not limited to, the criminal justice system, entrepreneurship, reproductive rights, and the economy. With the cost of living continuing to rise, the group of NAACP leaders attended the meeting in pursuit of creative solutions to boost the economy, including supporting young black entrepreneurs and small businesses. The meeting highlighted the voices of young black men ages 18 to 35 from a wide range of backgrounds, offering an opportunity to voice their priorities and concerns for the year ahead. Fidelity Investments is committing $250 million to a new education initiative for minorities. The investment will support up to 50,000 underserved students and provide scholarships and mentorship programs for the next five years. Fidelity research found that 21% of black students graduate from college in four years compared to 45% of white students. The company also found that on average, black students accure 25,000 more dollars in student debt than their white peers. To address the inequalities, Fidelity is partnering with UNCF and other nonprofits. 
The United States Department of Agriculture is partnering with the National Urban League on nutrition and economics. Urban League President Mark Morial and USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack have announced a memorandum of understanding to reaffirm the relationship. The first phase of the partnership will focus on identifying and developing areas in which the USDA can improve its ability to carry out missions with the National Urban League. Examples of such areas include home ownership, access to broadband, help for veterans, and youth development. All right, so mates, here's a recent uh, survey that you might found, find interesting and, and find that this could be you. Uh, it found that 66% of people say half the items in their house were previously owned by someone else. 75% say they are comfortable buying things secondhand. Two thirds say they also feel guilty tossing out an item that still has uh, life left or could be given to another person. Three out of four say they form an emotional connection with uh, items in their house, regardless of whether the items have been used or not. All right, soulmates, here is something interesting. A new poll today found that the average adult keeps 20 of their childhood toys, mostly to pass down to their own kids and grandkids. The number one toy people kept were Barbie dolls, Legos came in next, followed by Hot Wheels, G.I. Joes. <laughs> also remember uh, Susie Homemaker appliances, mm. Fisher-Price telephones and slinkies. That's right, those made the list too. Along with My Little Pony, Etch-A-Sketch, and gaming systems like Game Boy, Nintendo, and Sega. Wow, that was memory lane. I know, I, I could never understand a slinky though, could never. All right, the city of Detroit and many community groups are working to fight blight and make the city more beautiful for one family. They're making it their business. Fox 2's Ingrid Kelly has more on their multi-generational mission. I graduated high school, I went and did a year at college, uh, figured out that that wasn't for me. But as Leo Munfield Jr. searched for a career, his dad stepped in. My father told me, you know, it's time to put your boots on. But these weren't just any boots. His dad was encouraging him to walk in his shoes and become the next generation to work in the demolition industry in the city of Detroit. I got up and, you know, I said, we went to work and I just began to love it. So. Um, I didn't know that I had a calling for it. It's a calling that is multi-generational. I guess in our bloodline. This is Leo Sr., Leo Jr.'s dad. My father, me, and my son, and we all doing the same thing. You heard right. There is another generation out here. It all started with this Leo, the proud father and grandfather. I don't know how that ended up happening, but it happened. <laughs> Father, son, and now grandson work for a minority-owned company that is tearing down blighted homes. It's backed by Proposal N, the ballot initiative that passed in which voters overwhelmingly supported the demolition of thousands of structures and the stabilization of others. It also supports Mayor Mike Duggan's Blight to Beauty mission. I get to see us better the city, you know, clean some of the mess up. The city of Detroit also opening the door to helping Leo Sr.'s business get into the demolition business. I currently own uh, Montfield Trucking. Um, currently contracted with DMC Group to haul the debris to back and forth to the landfill. It's a win for this family as they work together to move Detroit ahead and perhaps create more opportunities for future generations of their family. Let's keep on with it. Keep on doing it. In Detroit, Ingrid Kelly, Fox 2 News. It's always great to see family businesses yeah. in so many different forms and so many different industries. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't talk about uh, the demolition industry mm -hmm. as, as much as, as we should, you know, considering how much investment is going into infrastructure, not just here in Detroit, but across the country. But, uh, you know, awesome to see that family owned business, you know, that is uh, on the front lines there demolishing. Uh, uh, homes and, and businesses and structures really addressing the, the issues of, of blight. Mm -hmm. uh, again, not just here in Detroit, but across the country. Uh, this is a really uh, unique 
small business for us to highlight, and uh, we love to see it. Yeah, and like you said, you can kind of lay this story over any you know city who who's dealing with uh, you know abandoned buildings or uh, buildings and structures that have just been outdated, and and maybe the city or the county or the community just not has either not paid attention to it or has not had the the resources or the money uh, to to get rid of it. So again, like when you see uh, companies uh, like this uh, stepping up and um, forming those partnerships that you in fact need to uh, you know erase a lot of that blight it is good to see minority owned uh, company um, you know it's it's a it's a hard fought battle to receive a lot of those contracts my husband's engineering construction uh, business and uh, it is it is hard fought so to see that they're um, uh, progressing forward um, not only with their personal uh, business as far as a family-owned business but also progressing forward with something that Detroit is truly yeah. in need of which is getting rid of these abandoned buildings it's good to see and it's really good to see the local hire piece of, of mm -hmm. this story uh, because so often you know when there are you know investments in infrastructure and opportunities like this you know they are they oftentimes hire folks outside the area and outside mm -hmm. of uh, the state and so it's good to see that uh, this homegrown family, it, you know, has uh, a nice piece of business here uh, helping to make our communities better. Indeed. Coming up, there's yet another biopic in the works. That's right. We'll tell you more about it and why some say it's going to be bad. All right, Soulmates, a Michael Jackson biopic is in the works. I'm here for it. Lionsgate and director Antoine Fuqua are uh, taking on the musician's life in a film titled Michael. The film is being made with the permission of Jackson's estate and will address all aspects of his life, but is unclear how the film will address the many controversies involving the late music icon, Jackson, who won 13 Grammys and rose from child stardom in the Jackson 5 uh, to become the biggest pop star in the world, died at the age of 50 back in 2009. It looks like Stephen A. Smith has fallen to the pressure of the Rihanna Navy. Smith caught a lot of negative press mm. this week after his recent appearance on The Sherry Shepherd Show. The sports commentator responded to a question about Rihanna's upcoming Super Bowl halftime performance. Now he's apologizing to Rihanna regarding comments. Take a listen. Are you excited for this halftime show? I don't want to say I'm not excited. She's fantastic. That's, yes. not, where I'm, that's not where I'm going with this. Okay, where are you going with? Ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, she's a lot of things. She's spectacular, actually. Yes. And congratulations on new mamahood. Yes. I sense There's the one thing she's not. Uh-huh. She ain't Beyonce. I know she's not Beyonce, but you know, wait a minute. I meant it as no disrespect to Rihanna. I know she's phenomenal and she's my sister. Nothing but love for her. But Beyonce is my sister too. I got love for both of them. Rihanna, go do your thing. I apologize for creating whatever brouhaha comes of this. I gotta be more careful. Smith has since clarified his words, saying he personally believes Beyonce's performance was so iconic that anyone who gets the opportunity to do the halftime show will have to measure up to that. He said, quotes, I meant it as no disrespect to Rihanna. I know she's phenomenal and she's my sister, but love for her and Beyonce, both of them are his, his sisters. You know, the, the love runs deep and, uh, uh, and so does the critique on social media. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, don't, I didn't feel any venom behind it. When he, when he was sitting on Sherry's couch and he said it, you know, I, I actually didn't take offense. I didn't think it was a dig, you know, at Rihanna. Beyonce and Rihanna are two very different, very different performers. They're very different artists, right? And so, you know, to a lot of people, I think he was just sort of stating the obvious, you know, no shade. You know, mm. but you know they're not one in the same. It, it, it shade. I mean, just in his cadence and, and and the way he went about it and the way he set it up, 
shade. I mean, you know, we're infamous for, you know, pitting, especially females against one another. I can remember back in the day, there was always this thing with uh, Mary J. Blige and Faith. There was always this thing with Erica Badu and Jill Scott. And if you talk to all of these incredible artists, they'll tell you there's enough room for everybody. And so, you know, listen, there's a song back in the day on first generation hip hop by Houdini. It's called Big Mouth. And that's why I always thought Stephen A has, uh, even when he gets into it uh, with some of his fellow uh, colleagues and or uh, some of the uh, sports uh, cats that are, appear on the show. Uh, I just always, he's just always kind of sometimes rubbed me the wrong way. And uh, I think this moment on the Sherry Shepard show is, is proof that uh, he's just, you know, his mouth is just too big sometimes. I think there's an opportunity for us all to practice a little something. What? Assume no malintent. Assume no malintent. I don't think I don't think he had any heat behind it, right? But I appreciate that he was man enough to take to social media to clarify it and to say, you know what? You know, got love for Rihanna, got love for Beyonce. You know, his mouth got in the way. That's big. Can we go on to the next story? <laughs> Rapper, rapper Flo Rida wins big in a lawsuit against the energy drink company Celsius. A jury sided with Flo Rida after filing a lawsuit against the energy drink company, claiming they owed him over $82 million from an endorsement deal that began back in 2014. The rapper stated uh, that his endorsement of Celsius's product line was a huge benefit to the company's overall success. In return, he wasn't properly compensated for his contribution to the brand that involved Florida having a small ownership stake. Celsius responded by stating that the contract made between the two parties was fulfilled. They also believed that Florida's endorsement didn't have any effect since it took place before the end of their agreement back in 2018. In photos that uh, were shared on social media, Flo Rida can be seen embracing his attorney after the judge solidified his $82 million court win. Jamaica's number one track star, Usain Bolt, is missing $12.7 million from his account. Good Lord, that's a lot of money. <laughs> Lawyers for Usain Bolt said that the money is missing from his account with a private investment firm in Jamaica that authorities are investigating. His attorney, Linton P. Gordon, provided the Associated Press with a copy of a letter sent to Stocks and Securities Limited demanding that the money be returned. Gordon said Bolt's account once had $12.8 million, but now reflects a balance of only, get this y'all, $12,000. That's a whole lot less zeros. Make that man his money back. All right, the most recent class of Songwriters Hall of Fame inductees were officially revealed. I'm so amped. Snoop Dogg is among the seven names on the list. The legendary rapper will soon join Sade, Teddy Riley. Uh, and others for this year's uh, inductees. The Songwriters Hall of Fame was established in 1969 with a mission to honor the people who were behind the music. A songwriter may only be considered for induction 20 years after the first commercial release of a song they wrote. In many, many ways, sports and music go hand in hand. That's where one local recording artist found his niche. You've probably heard his work too. And there's more where it came from. Fox 2's Wood Woodruff reports. His name is Terry Fox, but he's known as PL, and the 37-year-old Ann Arbor native is famous for his sports anthems, like this one that ran during the regular season for the Detroit Lions. Of course I grew up you know, watching the Lions. I'm from Michigan, so I always enjoy watching them play and, you know, win or lose. But making music for them kind of felt like I was a part of the family. I always loved music, always loved sports, and I put, to, put the uh, two together and um, started that journey. And it's not all just glitz and glamour. There's plenty of hard work that goes into sports music production, no matter what team or network you're freelancing for. You definitely have to put your pride and your ego to the side, you know, um, because ultimately it's not about you, you know? And I think that's why I have so many opportunities because I never make it about me. I always make it about the team for the NFL's 100th season. It was called the NFL 100. So I did like 30 songs for teams and players, just kind of, you know, paying homage. And I heard from 
Deion Sanders. I heard from Joe Namath. I heard from everybody. Barry Sanders. It never gets old to me. It never gets old. Even, even what I do, it never gets old. It's always exciting. And I think that comes with just staying in the moment. New fans can listen for more of PL's punchlines at the big house, Ford Field, the Little Caesars Arena with the Pistons, and all through the playoffs on the NFL Network. Man, this guy is everywhere. Creating classics in Westland, Woody Woodruff, Fox 2 Sports. And our thanks to our colleague Woody Woodruff uh, for that great story. Be sure to check to see if your favorite team has a beat made from right here in the D. Uh, we love to see it. I mean, you know, we talk about content creators so often. That's mm -hmm. for folks who are wondering, what is a content creator? That gentleman right there uh, is an example of the kind of content creators that make our uh, experience uh, that much more dynamic, uh, and I really love that you know Detroit is uh, playing such a big part, not just in uh, the NFL uh, in general, mm -hmm. but uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to listen a little closely during the uh, Super Bowl uh, to maybe catch a beat or two. We shall see. Yeah. Yeah, great story, enjoy that. Well, still ahead, Black Excellence is next, filled with Black Girl Magic. Don't go anywhere, you're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. All right, Soulmates, a 13-year-old dancer mm. from Maryland is named ambassador for the Brown Girls Do Ballet program, whose purpose is to promote diversity in the arts by providing scholarships, mentoring, and community programs to empower young girls. Mm -hmm. Riley Armstrong of Hagerstown is one of 80 girls in the world chosen to represent the state of Maryland as an ambassador. Riley first started ballet when she was just three years old, and through hard work and dedication, she has blossomed into a skilled ballerina. That's right, as an ambassador, she will help bring other kids opportunities who can't afford lessons while also spreading the message that brown girls can mm -hmm. do ballet. Now we want to introduce you to an, an author who is encouraging black girls to pursue careers in STEM with her book, Girls Like Me. Yes, Ohio native Valerie Tompkins is using her love of writing to encourage young girls to strive towards higher paying careers. Tompkins hopes to inspire young girls to pursue careers in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, also known as STEM. Girls Like Me is an inspiring picture book showcasing the many different careers that children can pursue and is designed to shape the future for readers and encourage them to begin to explore occupations at an early age. So even without the help of like a manager, an agent, or even a big time publisher, Tompkins has sold nearly 10,000 books between her website, Amazon, and bookstore. And she's also a soar, and I just went to follow her on IG, and I purchased a book myself so she can reach her goal. So congratulations. That's excellent, that's excellent. We love to see it, I mean, you know, Black entrepreneurship knows no age limit. That's right. How many stories have we reported on where we've seen young people, uh, you know, being supported by their parents mm -hmm. as young entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I love that we get to bring these stories yeah. to our soul. These were my favorite segments, Black Excellence. Indeed. There's a lot out there. There you know, is. You know, you know, don't don't fall into, you know, the murder, murder, kill, kill, stab, stab. There's, there's good could, stuff happening. We could probably too. do a whole show of, of stories like that, of black excellence. I, maybe that's something we'll, we'll think about. Maybe, yeah. maybe. I'm the Cordelai Corte. I'm Courtney Hicks. Until next time, soulmates, stay, stay lifted. lifted.